Today is Monday, July 18th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A mass shooting in Indiana stopped by a good Samaritan with a gun. This says Uvalde. A new report sheds more light on this increasingly massive failure. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. If you agree with that mission, you can help. Subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, share it with a friend, all that fun stuff. Let's get through that news of the cray together. Joining me today, Trey Gones Phillips from CBN's Faithwire, back from the land of vacation. And now <laughs> and now Billy's on vacation, so it's just flip-flopping vacations here. I know. I Well, I think Billy and I are just doing our best to drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> mission accomplished. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Welcome back. Glad to have you back. Coming up. Uh, On the podcast today, on the main thing, Democrats have openly complained about what they're labeling a rogue Supreme Court and how they can counteract it. Madison Seals looks into what Democrats think is their biggest weapon on this issue. Interesting stuff there. But first thing today, the headlines. I give Jesus all the glory. A flight attendant who was fired over her pro-life beliefs finally wins the case. They were awarded $5 million in damage. This after a five-year legal battle, Charlene Carter. Uh, This went back to 2017 when she was terminated for posting her religious opposition to abortion on social media. So interesting outcome there. Ted Cruz is making waves after saying that the Supreme Court was, quote, clearly wrong, end quote, about the 2015 uh, same-sex ruling sparking fears among (laughs) progressives that progressive gay marriage could go the way of Roe. So that's been just a a, um, concern that progressives have put out there. They're saying, hey, Roe went away and now gay marriage is next. They're coming for it. And so uh, but this is a view that uh, a lot of conservatives and Christians have held for some time now. I don't think Cruz is making a, a new observation here. Um, President Zelensky has fired some top officials after accusations on collaboration with Russia. And Iran says it's technically capable of making a nuclear bomb, but they just haven't decided whether or not to build it. This according to a senior advisor to uh, Iranian Supreme Leader Ayatollah al-Khamenei, uh, who said this on Al Jazeera TV over the weekend. Those are just some of the headlines happening today. You can check out more over at CBNnews.com. But uh, here's a closer story. I want to take a closer look at it. At least four people, including the shooter, are dead, and others are injured following a shooting at a shopping mall in the suburbs of Indianapolis late yesterday. Police say a good Samaritan with a handgun at the scene killed the shooter. And the only thing we know about the shooter as of this morning uh, is that it was an adult male with a long gun and several magazines of uh, amuse- ammunition. And two others were wounded and they're being treated at area hospitals. So this all comes as the situation uh, in Uvalde just keeps getting worse with the more we know. There was a viral video of a teacher who had survived the shooting being welcomed back. There was a long line. This was a very emotional scene. Um, bringing fresh emotion to really a frustrating tragedy, uh, horrible tragedy, and also frustrating the more we learn about the response. And there was a 77-page report that criticized both state and federal law enforcement, uh, not just the local authorities there. Um, the, the, the real bombshell in the report, and people could see there were a lot of officers there, 
But according to this report, 376 law enforcement officers eventually made it to the school. And the overwhelming majority of those who were there were federal and state law enforcement. So there were about 150 U.S. Border Patrol agents there and close to 100 state uh, police officials. And it said other than the attacker, the committee didn't find any quote unquote villains in its course of investigation. There's no one to whom we can attribute malice or ill motives. Instead, we just found systemic failures and egregiously poor decision making. And uh, this comes, Trey, you were out last week, but um, this comes as the debate surrounding guns just keeps going in part because we keep having people commit these horrible shootings. It's unbelievable that it seems like more often than not, these things happen in like clusters or collections. Yeah. It's like when one happens and there are others, and it just seems to snowball. And it seems like that's been what's happening uh, over the last, you know, the last several weeks. And I think some of it too is when people are, are more worried about their financial situation, inflation is way up, jobs, people are struggling with the, their finances and paychecks and all that kind of stuff. So I think when you have all of these things, they, they, escalate and compound and uh, it leads to other it leads to other outcomes so yeah i think it's just as a believer we can step back and look at it and say this is just evidence of a broken world right yeah. and the evil and in, in a broken world so and then the the political talk i think just ends up making it worse because it just ends up being a food fight back and forth yeah it really does and you can see the the narrative set in and it's it's people leaping uh, even even this good samaritan that stopped the shooting apparently this Indiana shooter had lots of ammunition. And so the fact that, look, horrible, again, of course, four people dead, that's a horrible tragedy, but it could have been another scene where you've got 10, 20, 30 people dead and somebody stepped in and heroically uh, ended this threat. And and of course, you're going to see people trying to use this as a political hot potato here and saying, see, look at this. And, and let's just have, you know, as Christians, like we can have that conversation at some point just having that phrase what they did i mean i think if your first instinct is to just go for the political dunk you're kind of missing the humanity in it you're missing the compassion in the whole situation and it it's i mean that's really a heroic action there and it's being juxtaposed trey with this report from uvalde which you know again this story it just it's so horrible one of the worst uh, shootings we've seen particularly i mean since sandy hook really with all the young kids involved in it but we see this report and so many officers there and you know you try to give them the benefit of the doubt a- as much as possible until all the facts come in well the facts are coming in and it really just doesn't look good for the responding officers yeah it's wild to think that there are more than 300 police yeah. officers who were there and this many errors were still made uh, like I, it's it's just it's kind of unbelievable. So look, I think like you said, certainly give the benefit of the doubt, and we know that there's a lot going through the minds of police officers when they're facing these kinds of situations. They're they're first responders for a reason because most of us wouldn't be able to respond well, and they're trained to respond well. But these reports, like you said, seem to indicate more and more mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, so certainly people need to be held responsible for what they did incorrectly. Uh, and it seems like there was there was a lot of poor decision making here. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, um, there are long lines at food banks right now, and it's revealing just how badly Americans are struggling to make ends meet. Trey, the economy is just it continues uh, to cause Americans to struggle. 
Yeah, so long lines are back at food banks around the country uh, since the height of the pandemic uh, as working Americans are you're feeling overwhelmed by the inflation uh, that's impacting pretty much everybody at this point. So with gas prices still surging, inflation, like I said, at a 40-year high, and the COVID-19 financial relief well running dry for most people, uh, Americans are struggling to keep food on the table. Uh, so according to a new report from the Associated Press, charitable food, food distribution has remained far above amounts given away before the coronavirus pandemic, even though demand tapered off somewhat uh, late last year as people were going back to work. Life was returning for most Americans back to some semblance of normal. Uh, so officials with one of the country's leading food supply charities, Feeding America, uh, said that while second quarter data won't be ready until August, they're hearing anecdotally from food banks across the country that demand is soaring. So, for example, the Phoenix Food Bank's main distribution center uh, doled out food packages to 4,271 families during the third week in June. That's a 78% increase over the 2,396 families served during the same week last year, uh, said St. Mary's uh, spokesman Jerry Brown. St. Mary's is the main food bank there. Uh, so and then at Houston's food bank, uh, the largest food bank in the U.S., where distribution actually reached... Uh, one million pounds a day, very, very briefly, uh, at the height of the pandemic, but still, that's incredible. Uh, they're averaging now 610,000 pounds uh, every day. Uh, that's an increase from about 500,000 pounds a day before the pandemic, according to Paula Murphy, a spokesperson for that food bank. Uh, thankfully, cash donations there have not slowed down, uh, but Murphy said the problem is that the money just isn't going as far uh, because of inflation. Uh, so she said they actually need to increase the amount of uh, financial donations just to keep up with the the standard pre-inflation because they, they can't keep up at this point. Uh, and then with increased demand uh, for food, uh, they're they're pretty strapped now, both financially and with, with supply. So as for President Biden, the White House recently admitted that inflation is at an unacceptable level. Uh, the president, though, is denying over the weekend uh, that the U.S. is in a recession uh, and is pushing for for more spending to curb climate change. Uh, so that's where he is as far as finances. He does not believe that the U.S. is heading toward a recession, though pretty much every indicator suggests the opposite. Uh, but that's where the White House is. Yeah. And um, this is really a good reminder at this point. Uh, first of all, anyone who's gone to the grocery store is feeling the pain. I mean, you go for Oh, hey, go pick up a couple of things for uh, we're having a couple people over, grab some snacks or something. And you've spent 50 bucks. It's like, how did that happen? Um, yeah. The prices are act, are incredible. They're incredibly insane. But I think it's a good it's actually a good reminder that as Christians, hey, we need to step up. If you're in a position to give, this is where we can step into that area and help it's it's an opportunity really for us yeah there are people that wear struggles uh, but we you know i haven't received my first paycheck yet uh, so in this two or three weeks i'm struggling to make ends meet because the cash that i had saved just like the, in this story it doesn't go as far so it's not getting me to that point so i think it's an awesome opportunity for us as believers as the church to come together and say let's help fill that gap for people uh, by just you know opening up a food bag 
bank or donating some money to or giving some money to a friend when when they need when they need some because they're a little bit tighter than they were expecting this month. So look, I think as believers, it is a good reminder we should all be kind of looking out. How can I help my family members and my friends, people in my church? What can I be doing? So I think being on the lookout for opportunities is a great idea, particularly right now when so many people are struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And we can, of course, continue uh, to pray for that on that front. Uh, our first line of defense, as always. So, all right, Democrats are not happy with the way things have gone recently in the Supreme Court. But instead of responding to the substance of the cases, you see a lot of calls for ways um, to simply just, quote, reform the Supreme Court instead of looking at these cases and, and how they're stacking up legally. Democrats, they're, they're seeing a range of what they're calling, quote, weapons at their disposal. But one option has been debated more than the others, and that's court packing. Is this something we'll see pursued? Madison Seals has more on today's main thing. Well, welcome into that main thing where today we're talking about court packing. A new poll by the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen shows that a majority of Democrats support abolishing or packing the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm here with Jeremy Dice, senior counsel with First Liberty Institute, to discuss this poll and what it means for our country in the future. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Can you start by explaining what court packing means? And is it essentially the same thing as abolishing the Supreme Court? No, those would be two different things. Uh, court packing, as we've understood it, at least since the FDR uh, administration, is just simply adding justices to the Supreme Court. Uh, and, and what uh, FDR wanted to do is he wasn't getting his way through uh, the policy efforts that he was trying to accomplish. And the Supreme Court kept sort of stepping in the way of that. And so he uh, threatened to pack the court with more justices. And we've seen the same thing now here under the Biden administration, where leftists are very uh, demanding that the Supreme Court uh, kind of cow to what they want to accomplish in terms of political ambition, but uh, they keep getting stymied based upon what the Constitution actually says. And so the justices have been very fine at upholding the Constitution and saying what the law is, but that that doesn't seem to set well with a lot of progressive leftists right now in the country. And so there's an effort afoot or has been afoot to uh, to pack the, the court with new justices. And there's been multiple alternatives to this that have been offered, whether that's just adding three, four, five, six, however many different justices to add to the Supreme Court by this administration, or perhaps they would add two or three now and three or four later with another presidential administration or rotate them in and out. There's been all kinds of different proposals that have been offered, but all of them are the same bad idea. Or what uh, President Biden said Back when he was a United States Senator, referring to FDR, he said it was a bonehead idea to pack the court. It was then, it still is, we shouldn't even consider the idea. Right, it really opens a can of worms about where do you end, how many justices can you have on one court. And tensions are still high following the Supreme Court decision on Dobbs versus Jackson that effectively overturned Roe v. Wade and returned abortion legislation back to the states. Do you think this poll reflects Democrats' frustration with the direction the court went on this issue and others? You know, it's it's hard to read this poll other than being completely shocked by it because uh, you have 53% of Democrats not suggesting that we need to add justices or remove justices or even maybe impeach justices, as we've heard them say in sort of uh, kind of frantic sort of ways that they just don't like certain justices that are on the bench. They're not even complaining now about uh, the justices that uh, President Trump appointed or anything like that. What they're now suggesting is that because they can't get their way in policy through the Supreme Court, as they seem to have had their ability to do for the last 50 or so years, now they're saying we need to abolish the Supreme Court. 
Now, I don't know what the alternative is to abolishing the Supreme Court. Are we just simply going to excise a court of last resort and have no final say was what the law is within our justice system? That, that seems uh, absolutely absurd, but it is it is frightening that a majority of one of the two major parties in this country would even consider excising one of the three branches of our federal government. Uh, and, and the fear for the future on that that uh, how will we resolve our differences? The, the lesson of history has been such that uh, we know that uh, America has decided to resolve our political and legal differences by resorting to the court system. There's really only one other way to resolve our differences, and, and, and that is a very bloody history that we learn from. Uh, so I don't think we should go in this direction at all. Uh, and the fact that we've got these uh, this poll now saying that a majority of the Democrats would like to abolish the Supreme Court, it ought to serve as a real uh, massive wake-up call to the rest of the country that this this nation is in a real time of peril and very close to to losing the freedom that our system of government has provided to us now for over 200 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you presented a really important point there that the main issue at hand here is one party not being able to push their extremist views. The study also presents statements that respondents were asked to either agree or disagree with. So can you talk about some of the reasons or grounds that Democrats gave in support of abolishing the court? Well, they usually go uh, along a, a number of grounds and and oftentimes it they can they can ad advance whatever grounds that they want in terms of feeling like they're they're saying something smart, but it all boils down to the same thing: is that it's almost like the kid on the playground who's not getting his way, and he says, "I'm going to take my ball and go home." Uh, it, it's all the same end result that Democrats just simply are not getting the policy preferences that they would like to get, and so they need to get rid of the the, the justices entirely. But what I have not heard is any kind of alternative that they would put in place. How are we going to resolve our differences? What what who's going to say the the final thing? If we have a a conviction in court for a criminal matter, uh, and that is wrongfully decided, who's going to settle that that issue? Uh, the fact that we would have a majority of the modern Democratic Party suggesting that they are in some way wiser than the founding fathers and ought to rewrite the Constitution itself, I think reveals the end game here entirely, that they're not just concerned about the Supreme Court of the United States. That, that just seems to be a byproduct of what they're really upset about. They're really upset about the, the American commitment to freedom and self-government. And that ought to fear, strike fear in the heart of every American that we would abandon the Democratic and Republican nature of this country and just simply go a different direction that would result, well, frankly, in chaos. And maybe that is the end result that they're actually after. Out of over a thousand likely voters, this study showed that only 33 percent of Democrats have a favorable view of the Supreme Court, whereas 72 percent of Republicans view the Supreme Court very or somewhat favorably. Does this change based on which party holds office? It doesn't seem to lately. Uh, look, it's it's just the, the matter that uh, the Supreme Court has been uh, recommitting itself to the constitutional principles that were enshrined 200 plus years ago. Uh, and and, and it, look, maybe we're just in a time of legal transition in this country, legal and political transition in this country, where we have been living under a mistake with cases like Roe v. Wade and Lemon versus Kurtzman for five generations. We have a total misunderstanding of what the separation of church and state is, for example, because of that one case. Mm -hmm. And now that the Supreme Court has set that aright, there's a bit of floundering going on from the side that was able to, to accomplish their policy objectives by relying upon those mistaken cases. 
And now that those cases are gone, they're sort of lost and don't know how to react. And so what, what's coming out is just simply frustration and anger. And, and, and those are both directed at the institution they feel are is getting in the way of what they would like to actually accomplish. I hope things will settle down here in the very near future and we'll get back to uh, the rule of law uh, in this country. Uh, but that's that's critical for us to get back to that point. Um, it, it was once said that we are a nation of laws, not of men. And that was meant to say that we've got a Supreme Court and, and, and a system of justice that allows us to say that's the Constitution. We've agreed to, to uh, be governed by consent under that Constitution. We've articulated what the government can and cannot do. Uh, and to now reverse that and say... The, the, the men, the people, are, are to be making the decisions of what the, the law is on any given moment uh, based upon whatever political winds are flowing that day. Well, that, that creates a real concern because uh, that's not an objective standard that we can kind of chart our course to right now in, in terms of, of freedom. There's a historical lesson here, and, and removing this system of justice does not end well, and most certainly it does not provide us more freedom. It provides us far less, and the chaos that comes from it is is just frightening. Right. Well, I think in addition to showing the political extremism of some Democrats, one thing this poll demonstrates is just a flagrant misunderstanding of our established branches of government. So, Jeremy, thank you for explaining the importance of the Supreme Court as it was established and just breaking down this story for us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. All right, Madison and Jeremy, thank you so much for that information. And that leaves us time for one last thing and a prison ministry. God Behind Bars is introducing thousands of inmates to the gospel with a Christian app. This is a prison ministry, Trey, that's it's helping these inmates get connected to Christ, to faith through a mobile app. There's sermons on this app, devotionals, music, etc. It's called God Behind Bars and works to restore the lives of inmates while they're incarcerated. And uh, I mean, this is shades of Paul right here, right? I mean, it makes you think mm -hmm. of a lot of the, you know, New Testament written behind bars uh, while Paul's in prison. So uh, great stuff here. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I, we talk all the time about stories about social media being a problem and <laughs> yeah. technology being an issue. It's really nice and refreshing to see a way that it's been redeemed and social media and technology is being used to spread the gospel. Awesome story. Yes, indeed. And that is all the time we have for this episode of the podcast. And if you want to um, have more Christian perspective on the news, as always, get on over to cbnnews.com, faithwire.com. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating, all that fun stuff. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we're going to be back here tomorrow with more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. Have a fantastic rest of your Monday. <laughs> <laughs>